Children, we have children? Yes, we have children. Come up for a children's homily. Okay. Hey, we've got a good group of kids here today. So, what is this? It's a light switch. That's right. And you girls, you guys are so good. Raise your hands. Are you homeschooled? No, you're not homeschooled, but you go to Catholic school. They teach you to do that, right? A light switch. Now, who wants to flip the light switch and see if a light comes on? Okay, here you go. I'll let you flip. Flip the switch. The light does come on. <laughs> oh, light went out. Have you ever walked in a dark room and it's dark and you forget to turn the light on and so you walk around in the dark and stub your toes? Have you done that? Oh, yeah. We have like a little round light when, when the light's off, that light comes on. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So, so, oh, okay. So you've got like an emergency light. Uh-huh. Okay. But if the power's on and you walk into the room and you forget to slip a switch, then you might trip over something you left on the floor, didn't you? Stub your toe in the, on the... You hit... Oh, it did hurt, didn't it? Except on what? Legos. Legos. Okay, so yeah. So it's always a good idea to turn on the light, isn't it? So we can see what we're doing. In today's gospel, we are said that Jesus is the light. He is the glory of Israel and the light to the Gentiles. So that he can show us how to live. And sometimes we get confused, we're not sure what to do. And we have to pray and ask Jesus to give us guidance. We have to read his gospel and listen to what he teaches so that we can walk in the light and not stub our toes or do things that we regret later, right? do things that hurt us or hurt others. So it's always important to live according to the light that Jesus gives us. Okay? All right, you guys can go back to your seats now. Thanks for participating. I have a question to ask. Yes. How did Jesus become Jesus? Jesus was born as Jesus from the Virgin Mary. He was always the Son of God. In fact, he was the Son of God before there was an earth. Yeah, but he didn't become flesh until the Virgin Mary. Boy, deep theological issues today that we have to deal with. Okay, I've got a, this is going to be a really busy mass, um, but it's just, it just is. First off, I want to, how many of you are aware of Father Evan Harkin's passing last week? Some of you are. Okay, I want to talk about that for just a moment. He died of an apparent suicide last week. Now, it is always difficult for us to deal with this issue of suicide, especially when a priest commits suicide. You would not think that a priest would do such a thing. And, and I think the reason it becomes such a difficulty for us that while it was never the official teaching of the Catholic Church, it was pretty popularly said uh, by many in the church and by many priests that suicide sent you straight to hell, that it was a mortal sin and an unforgivable sin because you could not go to confession afterwards to be uh, absolved of that particular sin. But particularly since Vatican II, the church has been very, very emphatic that that is not the case, that we do not focus on, on the sin, we focus on God's infinite mercy. And in fact, the Catechism teaches 
that in a way known to God alone, he is able to grant the grace of repentance to those who commit suicide, who come to him for grace, and they may live with him eternally. It is not a ticket to hell. Right? The church is very clear on that teaching. And most people actually have mental issues before they commit suicide. Either they're suffering from depression or from mental illness, or perhaps there is a, an event that kind of slips them out of their right mind, that slips them out of their normal rational thinking into the point where uh, they go into despair and commit suicide. And I bring this up because most of us have been touched by this. Most of us know someone, a friend or a loved one, who has committed suicide. It's become such a scourge in our society today. But with Father Harkin's case in particular, and I can share this, Bishop shared this in his homily at the funeral yesterday morning. Father Harkins, that was not the case with Father Harkins. Father Harkins was a very positive and upbeat person. He loved life. He um, was uh, a very strong believer and was really a really great guy. However, about a year ago, he began to develop um, some, some stomach issues, some gastrointestinal issues. And he was unable to eat, unable to sleep. And I can appreciate that. I went through a similar issue myself last fall. And um, the doctor put him on a medication to enable his, his stomach to settle so that he could, um, he could eat and sleep. But this medication uh, had side effects that threw him into severe anxiety and nightmares. And he got to the point that he was confusing nightmares and reality. And eventually this drove him to suicide. And you know, I, I watch commercials and I see medications uh, advertised. And you hear the list of, of uh, possible side effects and often the last one is suicide. And I thought, who would take a medication that would make, you know, cause suicide? But apparently this is what happened to Father Harkins. Um, this, this medication for his stomach just drove him, as the bishop said yesterday, out of his right mind. He was not in his right mind. And so we don't worry about the, uh, the status of his soul, but we still want to pray for him and for his family as well. So I just wanted to mention that to you today because I knew a lot of you had heard about that and many have been touched by suicide. And uh, to just bring this up. Okay. The gospel. What a beautiful gospel. One of my favorite passages in scripture. It's just such a beautiful image of Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to the temple and Simeon and Anna prophesying over him. And that song of Simeon, if you, say, uh, if you do the office, the, the daily offices, that's in the office of Compline. And uh, just a beautiful thing. The glory of Israel has become the light to the nations. Now, in Scripture, there is seldom an image that is less expressed than that image of light and darkness. It begins in the very first chapter of Genesis. God speaks light into existence. The universe is empty. The scripture says formless and void. In other words, in modern scientific terms, we would say there is no time and there is no space. But then God speaks the divine energy of his light into the universe. 
And from this, this interjection of the light of God into the universe, all things come into being. In fact, a Jesuit priest by the name of Georges Lemaitre read this passage in the early 20th century, and being also a mathematician as well as a very brilliant priest, he developed a mathematical formula which demonstrated that this light that God spoke into existence did in fact spread throughout the universe and became all that is. In other words, everything that exists exists because of the light of God that he spoke into existence. And the emptiness, the void, the darkness. You notice in Genesis, God does not create darkness. He does not create darkness because darkness has no existence. It is just the absence of light. It is just the shadow that we see when we turn our backs to the light. The darkness is emptiness. And in fact, while a lot of times we we struggle with this concept of good and evil. And that's because we have this vision of evil that's somewhat related to Hollywood, you know, with, with demons and, and uh, you know, possessed people whose heads spin around and they puke pea soup, you know. We see this as evil and we say, well, no one would ever want evil. Why is there even evil in the world? But that's not what evil is in Scripture. The Greek word for evil, paneros, can also be translated emptiness. The emptiness, the void that is the absence of the light of God. And while most of us would not choose demonic forces and, and possessions and things like that, I mean, we would, we would run from that sort of stuff, but isn't it easy to choose something that's empty, something that's wasteful? something that has no eternal significance. We can, we can turn from the light, not necessarily to go to the demons, but just to go to the wasteful, the emptiness. And it is the emptiness that causes such pain and such struggle in so many lives. But God spoke light into existence, and that light became a person in Jesus. Think of the world before Jesus came. What was it like? It was tribes with tribal gods who practiced human sacrifice and who was always at war with each other. In fact, you know, in the Native American tribes, there are 500 Native American nations. And each of those Native American nations had their own name for themselves, the Comanches, the Cherokees, the Lakotas. But you, if you translate every one of those names into English, they all say, mean the same thing. The people. My tribe are the people. And your tribe, well, you're not the people. Therefore, we can do whatever we wish to you. And that's the way the world was before the light came to enlighten the Gentiles, to enlighten the nations. Jesus came to bring peace and love and the Word of God, the revelation of who God is and what His relationship is to us. He came to bring light into our minds so that we could understand. And you may say, well, Father Ed, 
I don't know if you've watched the news, but there's still a lot of war and hate in this world. And that's true. Because we must choose to turn on the light. Jesus came to give us the light, but we must choose it. We can choose the emptiness. People may wage war so that they can own some little piece of property that's going to pass away or own an oil field or whatever it is they're fighting a war over. They can choose emptiness. They can choose that which passes away or they can choose the light. We in our own lives, when someone wrongs us, we can choose vengeance. We can choose to hold a grudge. We can choose the emptiness in our souls or we can choose to forgive as the light taught us. To forgive so that your Father will forgive you. When we dislike someone, other, someone else's lifestyle, we don't approve of the way they live, or we don't approve of their political party or their views or, or whatever, we can choose to judge. Or we can choose to follow the light, to turn the light on in our lives and to not judge so that we would not be judged as the light taught us. When we see the poor, when we see the forsaken, we can choose to turn the other way. Or we can choose to turn the light on, to follow the light, and to treat them as Christ. For the light had said, whatever you do for the least of these, my brothers, you do for me. Jesus came into the world to give us that choice so that we can choose to live in the light. Yes, we can choose to live in the darkness, and many do. But ultimately, those who follow the light, who live in the light, who are the light in the world, they receive the blessing and, the cons and consolations of God, that we can live in the joy and the peace of God. So just like in the children's homily where we can flip the switch on or off, we can stumble in the dark, we can trip over things and hurt ourselves, or we can choose to turn on the light. We can choose to follow the light, and we can choose to be the light.